Hi, and welcome to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. This is a podcast dedicated to everything sci-fi, be it film, television, books, video games. We'll talk about it, we'll dissect it, and tell you what we think about it. Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. I'm Colin. I'm Mark. I'm Jason. I'm Matt. Ben is back, bitches! <laughs> ben, a humble soul, oh, as always. So, uh, unfortunately, we already did The Force Awakens. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so we're missing Eric today, and we uh, couldn't get uh, Andrew Miller to come back. He's going to be rolling down Earth this time. Yeah. You know, we, we missed out on him. But uh, today, we are talking about Stargate. From Woo. 1994, not to be confused with, you know, the 15 years of TV show they came out with after that. But, <laughs> uh, no, this is the original movie from 94. Uh, but before we talk about that, I believe Ben has news for us. <laughs> oh, God. The news! <laughs> Alright, uh, well, guys, Emmy noms are out. It looks like Sci-Fi is starting to get some recognition in the awards circuit. Tatiana Maslany received a nomination for Best Lead Actress in a Drama for her work in Orphan Black, which is a show about clones. So Hot good. clones. <laughs> Best kind. Rami Malek received a nom for Best Lead Actor in a Drama for his work in Mr. Robot. This is not technically sci-fi, but it's kind of sci-fi. It's I, is that a good show, though? I, I heard, yeah, I heard I in the, I the, the, the season two premiere, they dropped four F-bombs on Three. live television and... No, nothing's been. Nothing happened. Nothing USA happened. just single-handedly approved the F F F F F bomb. What's they? What are they called? The FSC, FCS, FSA. See, no one even knows what they're called anymore. I don't know. The guys who like who like get mad when you say fuck on FCC? TV. FCC. FCC. Well, maybe. <laughs> Apparently, they don't even care anymore. Don't so no one no one remembers their names. So they don't have their power yeah. anymore. <laughs> um, Will Forte received a nomination for Best Lead Actor in a Comedy for Last Man on Earth, and Mr. Robot was nominated for Best Drama. The Expanse was expectedly snubbed. Oh, that's unfortunate, because that's a good show. It was, that was so a good. It was beautifully show. done. Snubbed all around, even for the tiny Emmys. Uh, yeah, the Emmys will air Sunday, September 18th continues. on ABC, with Jimmy Kimmel hosting. Hmm. We're less than a month away from No Man's Sky, and Hello Games is kind enough to drop a new short trailer for us. The trailer promises 18 quintillion planets and an endless variety of wildlife to explore. It even included quite a few creature variations we haven't seen yet. So is that going to be like a spore, where they just look like... No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it now, the trailer, the trailer was definitely there to relieve that fear. Um, we, I saw, I saw variations of creatures that we haven't even, like, seen, like, the variations of. Like, I saw a type of tail that I've never seen on any other creature so far yet. And I've seen every video for No Man's Sky out there so far. Explore so. rare creatures, including blue, <laughs> green, <laughs> red, it can have orange from one to four eyes. <laughs> You can check out the trailer on our Facebook page of the game on August 9th on PS4 and PC. I'm just worried about running out of planets. You can... <laughs> what are you talking about? You're I'm playing, excited. You're I see what you did there as a joke now. I'm, I'm getting pumped for the game. I'm excited. It will be a day one buy. Sulu is gay, guys! What? At least, I know! At least according to Simon Pegg, Pegg revealed that Sulu will be openly gay in the upcoming Star Trek Beyond. Still, while some may be happy about it, George Takei is not. Speaking to The Hollywood Reporter, Takei said he urged Peg and his team to reconsider. 
saying the sudden change didn't honor the Sulu he played and feared the change sent the message that sexuality could be retrofitted. Peg, on the other hand, disagreed, stating it to the Guardian, I have huge love and respect for George Takei. His heart, courage, and humor are an inspiration. However, with regards to his thoughts on our Sulu, he can fuck off. <laughs> you really said that? No. no. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh man. However, with regards to his thoughts on our Sulu, I must respectfully disagree. Hey, they take liberties with this this new J.J. Uh, Abrams universe Star Trek. I mean, Uhura actually didn't have a first name. She never did. Right. Until the movies came, these new movies came about. So you know, they, they take the liberties they want. I'm okay with Sulu being gay. His sexuality shouldn't matter in the first place. Right. So, so I always it, thought it, her first name was Ooh. And here's the thing. <laughs> Ooh. Here's Ura. the thing about it. Is, and I heard Peg say this, and I'll have to agree with them, is that if the times were more socially acceptable towards, towards you know, the homosexual culture and gay people and all that stuff. LGBT. You could just LGBTQ. LGBTQIA. Um, if there was more open and more accepting of it back then, it's possible that, you know, George Takei would have been out back then and would have inspired Gene Roddenberry to make Slu gay in that, you know, response. So, so, so Peg's just saying, like, I'm doing now what Gene Roddenberry couldn't do. Exactly. Back then. I agree. That's, so, that's okay. And, didn't, like, didn't he elaborate more on it <clears throat> and say that he just, that was the vibe that he always picked up from mm -hmm. the character. And so he just thought that they, they could more openly portray it now. Yeah, he, wrote, he wrote his Sulu. He wrote the Sulu that he felt he grew up with. And, and he's he the, imagined... He's the writer of this, this movie, and George Takei is not. I, I like George Takei. He's yeah. a very funny individual. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, let it go. Didn't, didn't, and I think he did. I think it was just, you yeah. know, I think he made a statement. He was just like, yeah, you know, I asked him not to. He with, did it anyway. With the way current Pikes events. a douchebag, whatever. With, with the way that uh, current events go nowadays, I'm sure he's already moved on for sure. Didn't Sue have, like, a wife in the show? He had a wife, or not in the show. Not in the show, but in the movie. In the movies, he had a wife. I was going to say, I remember a kid, there being yeah. a reference at some point to having a family. You know what? Let's not play too heavily into Star Trek, because I believe our next episode is going to be Star Trek. Oh. So let's just pull back from that. Cool. And move on. Let me try that again. This week, last Star Trek week. Beyond comes out July 22nd. <laughs> Seriously, I know like, we always say edit that out, and you never do, but edit that out. <laughs> give, give but don't edit that part out. Like, leave them wondering what we have. Don't edit out this part. Like, oh. I'm going to keep referring to things that you should probably not or should edit out. And it's going to be very difficult to edit it out, and yeah. or yeah, they're, they're, they're going to wonder: it was that edited or not? So go ahead. Beep 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 beep. beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and that's the news. <laughs> All right. Uh, so no, what, I, so the reason we're here today is to talk about one of my favorite movies. It, I'd probably fit it on if I had a top twenty. I know people always say top ten, but I would put this in my top twenty. Stargate, two thousand. 2000, 1994. 2094. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is one of my favorite movies. So the prequel to Soldier. When I when I came up with the idea of uh, doing this podcast, this was like on that list of things I wanted mm -hmm. to talk yeah, about. I I grew up watching this movie. So uh, without further ado, Stargate. That's oh me. man, this sucks. Great score, by the way. Oh. Great score. Yeah. Stargate. It's yes. in our theme song, of course, it's a great score. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, who would like to start off with uh, their feelings about... I, I don't know if you necessarily should start so soon with the feelings. 
Yeah. Why don't you kind of give us a synopsis, Colin? Because That's obviously you so, love the movie. The this uh, this movie. Short synopsis, please. I know you love this movie. Oh God, <laughs> I I can't. There's there's no short synopsis. All right, here's how it goes. There's some Egyptian dudes. They find a gate. They go through the gate. There's more Egyptian dudes. They fight those Egyptian dudes. Turns out those Egyptian dudes are aliens. There's a bomb. They blow up a ship. They go back through the gate. James Spader stays. Hopefully goes on to find a good haircut. Well, spoiler alert. Yeah. Anyways, no. There were so, a whole lot of Caucasians for the amount of Egyptians so you said. So the setting of the well, movie. No, not to, at all. To be fair, he didn't. He said that he he just brought a bunch of people from Earth. He didn't necessarily say that they were all Egyptians. Okay, That went off the rails so fast. We'll go back oh to this in a second. You guys, need, you guys need to chill. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I just I thought about that during the movie. So, so Colin, why don't you give a brief synopsis of Stargate 94? Okay, so a ring was uncovered in Egypt in the 20s, and the government uh, somehow nabbed it between 1928 and 1994. And they've been experimenting on it, trying to figure out what it is. They hire, you know, Egypt Egyptologists and people who specialize in the field of Egypt. <laughs> Men with specifically, large Specifically ancient. And uh, eventually they bring in James Spader, who plays the character Daniel Jackson. Uh, and somehow in, like, less than 24 hours in a pot of coffee, he figures out everything about this Stargate. I think they works. say, like, two weeks. Okay, They're whatever. like, did you figure out this in, like, two weeks? Okay. <laughs> they round it up. They round it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, and without actually thinking about whether or not they should, they turn on the Stargate. And then after 30 that, seconds after he figures right. it out. And then 30 seconds. And then 30 seconds later, they go through the gate with a full team and robot. Oh. No, the robot goes first, but robot. they only do one test. Right. They, <laughs> I love this movie. They had they had a time frame to fit in, okay? Shortly after getting there, they find an indigenous people. Uh, shortly after that, they find out that the indigenous people come from Earth. And then an alien spaceship lands. Uh, that turns out to be the god Ra, with his uh, henchmen Anubis and Horus, which is fantastic. And then an uprising happens. They defeat Ra, blow up Ra's ship, go back through the gate. It's a happy ending. And maybe James Spider found a good haircut. James Spider? James Spider. 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 <laughs> I'm missing a few legs in this movie. <laughs> and I said more of an accent. He tucked him Spider. into his that's hair. Like, that's, like, <laughs> that's like James Spader's, like, you know, 90s, like, you know, gang counterpart. It's like, are you James Spader? You look off of like, no, man, I'm James Spader. If 90s James Spader went to prison, he'd be James He, he has like a handlebar mustache. Okay. It'd be like the back of his and a facial tattoo. Like a, a giant spider tattoo. He's got webs tattooed all over him. Okay, well, thank you for that, I would say, fairly concise you see, synopsis I disagree. of the movie. He completely left out the star of the show, French Stewart. French Stewart. <laughs> Which is probably the, unnecessarily shouldn't angry. Shouldn't you be doing something? The only time, like, figured out how to get us off this planet. The only time French Stewart was ever cast as, like, the badass. <laughs> first and group. last time, right. The first and last time. We're, we're going to cast like, the, the gangly white dude. With how hard he was playing that character. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I was telling Ben, that's the... the most bothersome 90s trope to me is when they have a character like that in in this kind of a project they 
they're traveling through this dimensional gate. It's one of it's like the biggest scientific breakthrough in history to this point. And they're traveling across the known uh, universe and they hand selected a team of soldiers to go on this expedition. And one of them or several of them just so happened to be jockey nerd haters who throw people's suitcases. <laughs> it's right. 1994. What do you want? Are you, nerd, are you nerds kidding have, me? Nerds didn't have rights in 1994, so... It just, I get, like, this hand-selected specialist team. <laughs> like, I love your description. Right. Jockey nerd haters. <laughs> like, that's at the Department of Defense. That's what the, uh, the job list thing when they post it on the pegboard. <laughs> we need a couple jockey nerd haters to go through an interdimensional gate. We've got our, we've got our weapon specialist and our engineer. We just need a jockey nerd hater. We need a jockey nerd hater. We're round out the team. What, what's the, uh, what's Tribal the tattoos preferred. <laughs> What are you saying? Uh, What's the field that you go study a uh, uh, culture in? in uh, anthropology? anthropology? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we need a bunch of jockey nerd haters, preferably with a background in anthropology. <laughs> and Egyptology. Well, and space <laughs> Egyptian. The thing that I space really, Egyptian. I really loved was like, it was very clear they were going there for a recon mission. And when you're on a recon mission, especially in the army, yes, it's, it's ideally get in, get out. But it's also understood that you probably got to look around and get a lay of the land. They literally stepped out the door. We're like, yeah, that's good. Let's go. Yeah. And then left and then wanted to leave. And then when the dude's like, when James Peter's like, no, nah, no, nah, we got to look around, man. We got to like figure stuff out. I don't even know if I can get us home See? from here. And he's like, he's like, oh, what are you doing? What are you talking about? You can't get us home. This you is what you I said. have to look around on a recon mission? Now, You're supposed now, to know. I, I don't want to bring, bring this we up early. We're going to roll back around to this, but if Ridley Scott directed this, it would have had two soldiers and everyone else would have been scientists. <laughs> nice. And, and, and that's of course, what I and would of course all the Egyptians would have been white. So. Uh, we're just going to nail on the head. I also, <laughs> I also think it's silly that they... They immediately expected to be able to go back. Yeah. And they were furious that they weren't able to. This is a crazy expedition to going across fair. the known universe. Like, they, they should have been prepared to not be able to come back. But to, they were immediately furious at James Spader. To be fair, James Spader said he can do it. With a pause in there, which they'd have gone, Are you sure? Because there was a pause when you said, Yeah, I can do it. I love that pause. <laughs> it was about 30 seconds long. Okay. And, and he goes, are you zoomed in on him? Come are on. You sure? Are you Has sure? Has James Spider ever let you down? <laughs> I can get us back through this. You know what? Galactic After Rumble. watching all of Boston Legal, James Spader will never let me down. Guys, now I'm just imagining like a Scorpion King style of like James Spader. <laughs> like a human body with like spider legs running around. So, so Dwayne Spider-Man. Johnson. Dwayne Johnson is playing James Spader playing Daniel Jackson. <laughs> okay, James so. James Spider. So, if you couldn't already tell from our, you know, rather haphazard discussion thus far, Stargate, <laughs> it's, it's one of those movies that, to quote the great dictionary of Ben Young, was produced in the butthole of cinema. <laughs> it's so the year no, from no. 1990 to 1999, December 31st, 1999, to be exact. It's so true. It's... How... However, however, there's a however. I was going to say that. It's it's one of those movies where it's silly. There are parts of it, there there's whole, you know, large, 
you know, parts of the plot and everything else that are just ridiculous. But it's a film that's been pretty endearing for a lot of us. I remember watching this movie at some point in the, you know, mid to late 90s, probably for the first time when I could kind of grasp it and loving it. And I still love it. I've, you know, just like Event Horizon, which is a classic. <laughs> well, you're fucking done. <laughs> just like Event Horizon, I've always revisited this film, as I think Colin has. And oh, yeah. I've always come away from it, you know, being able to accept the, you know, ludicrousness of the proceedings, but also enjoying it. Yeah, I walked in expecting another Event Horizon. Because, keep in mind, I I may have watched this movie when I was younger, but the only thing I really remember was the cool uh, Anubis helmet unfolding. And, like, I remember that clearly because that was, like, when you're young, that was like, whoa, that was sick. And then the talking parts are, like, yawn. And so I I don't remember, I didn't remember much. And so this is basically a new viewing for me because I haven't watched it forever. And I, I opened up immediately, you know, Start live tweeting. I was like, "All right, let's let's talk about the silliness of this all." And yeah, I mean, it's it's still definitely butthole era, but it's 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 best of butthole era. Let's put it that way. It's best it, of butthole era. <laughs> it has it has a lot going for it. It's a charming film. It you know it it's entertaining and it's intriguing and it was it had some great world building and I think had Roland Emmerich and uh, Dean Devlin continued their their trilogy, which we'll talk about later. You know, I think there would have been. I think there would have been a lot. I think it would have been a lot more interesting going yeah, forward. Yeah, and I honestly, think it, it just a lot of cool stuff. It started really cheesy and ridiculous, and it just got better as the movie yeah, goes on. Definitely. Oh, by the end of the movie, I was like, "This is fantastic." But starting out, you notice everything you don't yeah, it's, like. It's about weird. It. They rush through the beginning parts so quickly, and they develop the characters. Well, way they want to get straight well, to the action. That's yeah. the thing to me, though. From from you know, kind of watching it again and, and really paying attention, they. They set it up. It's it, it almost has, and I don't know if you guys got the same vibe. This might just be me, but it almost had that kind of aura of this like epic, old school Hollywood production, like oh, sand and sandals. There's a thousand people standing around yeah. the rock quarry, yeah. and there's a thousand people standing around that, that rock many, quarry. You don't see yeah. that many extras anymore. In yeah, I actually, I read, I read that a lot of those were actually mannequins. Really? really? Yeah. See, to save money on extras, they had like mannequins mixed well, in. Okay, to be fair, the budget was only $55 million, and I'm pretty sure they filmed this in North Africa. But the thing is, though, even though they're mannequins, they physically probably, probably. they physically placed however many of, you know, people yeah, they were trying they, to, they you know what I mean? They a lot of people. So to me, that, that's that's one of the things that, um, that kind of like struck me is just the, the vibe the film was trying to portray and I think Ben hit it on the head it was you, you have a certain sense of like it's it's kind of charming yeah. from everything that's going on like you, you feel like you can even even though the characters like you've got like uh, you know uh, Kurt Russell's character O'Neill you know it was like this total hard ass like oh I'm the the badass marine blah 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 was that blah, his blah. name because I just O'Neill, called yeah. Russell you know what's, yeah. f- you know what's funny but, but that's the thing though it's he like he looked like Kyle <laughs> <laughs> like you still liked his character. You liked James Spader's character as ridiculous as his character was, and it drew you in and it made you care about the characters. You wanted to see what happened to him. You wanted to watch the rest of the movie. So yes, there was a lot of silliness that took place, but just the way that they kind of set the movie up, it, it did have that kind of romantic, charming kind of 
we're going on a great adventure feel mm-hmm. of the old old school Hollywood movies that you really didn't get in that 90s period and you definitely don't get today. And really quick, I'm sorry, I know you have something to say, but well, I did want okay. to say really quick. It was almost, you mentioned Epic and the Sands and stuff. It almost does, looking back, it feels a little bit like like sci-fi Lawrence of Arabia. I wanted to say you that. You need to watch that in, in uh, Blu-ray or high definition. Yeah. Because the movie stands out way better yeah. than high definition. I'm sure. That's, was, uh, that's how I watched it. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> sci-fi. <laughs> sci-fi Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> and Roland Emmerich is somewhere going, yeah. <laughs> that's what I went for. That's that. Ben, you nailed it. <laughs> no, it, you know, it's funny you said uh, O'Neill and... and uh, the yes. funny thing is, is, is my first love with this franchise was obviously the movie that came out first, and I, I watched the show that came after years later. In fact, they were probably like seven seasons in when I finally like sat down and watched it. I hated it. It was terrible. But there was a, eventually there was an episode that caught me. But every time you say O'Neill, I think of Richard Dean Anderson. And if you ever say Jackson, I think of Michael Shanks, the people that portrayed them in the TV show. Now, if the people in the movie, all right. So if James Spader and uh, Wait, Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell, beer opening. Let's get it out of the way. <laughs> so if, if James Spader and Kurt wait, Russell wait, wait, wait. played, so if, so if James Spader and Kurt Russell, you're saying? Yeah. Say if James again. Spader and Kurt Russell played the roles in the TV show, it probably would have been better. But it definitely would have been better. <laughs> Is, yeah, I still love uh, Richard Dean Anderson. I could he did it. a damn good job. He made... Okay. I started watching that show as soon as it came out because my dad loved the movie I know, and started watching the show and I watched that. Later. I know no one here besides me and Matt and maybe Mark could add to this, this part that I want to talk about briefly, but Richard Dean Anderson playing Jack O'Neill actually him. made sense after this movie. Because that kind of shell that he built around himself because of, uh, spoiler alert, his son died. Because he put a beretta under his son's pillow. Right. He put the beretta <laughs> under his son's pillow. <laughs> that, that, that pillow beretta that killed his son. Um, <laughs> no. Is that a South Park episode? I'm sure it is. But, but uh, after that, though, that, that shell was kind of cracked because of that whole adventure that he just had on this other planet. And the way that uh, Richard Dean Anderson played the character was, I, th- I still think, was pretty fitting. He was kind of more lighthearted. Yeah. Didn't take anything seriously. Which you get from Kurt Russell at the end of the movie. Re- Starting like, to, yeah. He really changes as a person. Like, he went through this huge experience. He, he doesn't want to die anymore. Like, and he still hates nerds. Well, it was also him connecting with the kids. Yeah, what was the word he was probably thinking? Dweeb. He's like, dweeb. He has a word Which was dweeb. very 1994. <laughs> yes. Hey, you dweeb. Why don't you go look at your stars, dweeb? Why don't you get us back home, you dweeb? No, this, was, this was a pre-Pokemon That's Go actually, that's, 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 that's probably French's line, to be honest. <laughs> Why don't you get us back home, you dweeb? Throw a suitcase. Anyways. Um, <laughs> does anyone else have anything to add before... Uh, can I talk about David Arnold? You can talk about David Arnold. David Arnold nailed it. One of the best things about this movie is the soundtrack. Uh, so, David Arnold, if you're out there, you, you don't do much anymore. So, I see you doing some Bond stuff here. You do Sherlock. That's cool, man. Um, but if you're out there, if you're like listening, um, probably not. 
Probably no, not. I just want you to know that I've got a lot of uh, good projects lining up, and I'd love you to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, compose this. It well. it truly is though. It's a great soundtrack. It's one of those soundtracks that you would see more of. I think when you went into the early two thousands and you got into you know one of the things we just mentioned the the whole idea of the sand and sandal epics. Yeah. Which in a way I feel like Stargate kind of is. It isn't you know about these ancient civil well it kind of is about the ancient civilizations clashing and fighting but you have this soundtrack which to me as you know a musician a music lover i love this where they they build a soundtrack they build an orchestral score around themes Mm -hmm. and they keep coming back they have a theme for ra they have a theme for you know we're walking out in the expanse of desert and you know there's a theme there it's just really really cool that they can build it in such a organic way and have all these variations of it mm-hmm. and it feels like you you have that epic feel the the that's definitely a good example of the music and the cinematography coming together yeah to transport you where the filmmakers are trying to transport you so i agree yeah. love the soundtrack for this yeah okay. i love it honestly roland emmerich's also, I just wanted to say, like, I wanted to just point out some specific people here. Roland Emmerich, I, I, I don't, I don't like some of his more notable stuff, like Independence Day, uh, which is awful. But um, I do, I do have to say, he did a, he did a hell of a job directing this. He did a really hell of a job directing um, this. I cared about the characters a lot, which is something I can't usually say about this dude. So, I, I'm, I'm glad. I I have to backtrack again. Sorry, Ben. I'm I'm glad that we brought up the score because originally, just listening to it, I thought this was definitely a Jerry Goldsmith score. This is very classic Goldsmith how he does it. He did he did he did he did. (laughs) He's done tons of movies. (laughs) Edit that out, Mark. (laughs) No, but he's done tons of movies, like multiple Star Trek movies. I think he did The Lost World. He did. Multiple Ridley Scott movies, if I'm not mistaken, and listening to that, that sounds like a Jerry Goldsmith. So I was actually quite surprised to find out that it was someone completely different. Classic Jerry Goldsmith. You've yeah. probably heard more Jerry Goldsmith scores than you yeah. would know. There's, he's like second to what? John Williams? Yeah, yeah. He's second to John. <laughs> <laughs> he's second only to like John Williams. Jack and Williams. Jack Williams. Jack W.S. Williams. <laughs> Jack Wesley Snipes Williams. And uh, also to uh, Zimmerman. Zimmer. God damn it. <laughs> Colin can't form a coherent thought tonight, but that's okay. Because Danny, we're going to do it for him. I also want it to be known he's wearing a camouflage tank top. Fuck, fuck Danny Elfman. <laughs> Don't ever, so, don't ever speak about Danny Elfman in this house. <laughs> it's his house. <laughs> so I have a bone to pick with this movie. With, and I know they were trying to rush into the action, but the science before they got the gate working, of them being like, oh my god, we never thought to use the symbol that looked almost exactly like the one we knew about. Programming symbols. They just had some pretty well, awful scientists they, there. The, the, these scientists who've been working for two years 
could not remove the two people bowing from the symbol. Now, now yeah, I agree. They couldn't be like, that looks kind of similar. I mean, we're not scientists here. We're all pretty much dabbled in liberal arts, to be honest. But I have Dude, to... But let's be real. We, but if I was real. working for it as long as they have been, I'd be like... We would have figured that shit out. We would have figured well, that it, shit that out Well, that wasn't the holdup, though. They were wrongly translating the entire... They were wrongly translating scripture. They, it wasn't the, the mapping. Once he told them about it, like 45 seconds later in the movie is when he was scrolling through looking for the right one. They weren't using those the mappings to try and make the, the star map. They were trying to translate the tablet as like a standalone scripture, you know? Okay, that's true. They didn't even... <clears throat> but at the same time, I mean, like the symbols of our constellations, that's a pretty straightforward like catch for anybody like a boy scout trying to decode that could have figured I mean, that out well they were Matt, they had the richard term. kind working for them yeah the last thing you, the you want to do is have that. richard kind <laughs> ancient egypt for you. so but to your point i think that that speaks to a larger flaw of the movie and for me that is everything before they go through the stargate there's so much intrigue there and there's so much room for even yeah. more world building and kind of setting it up like I'm not saying you need to know all the nuts and bolts of that universe but the whole discovery of this Stargate in ancient Egypt or not ancient Egypt but in Egypt in 1928 is like 30 seconds of screen time yeah. Right, yeah. and they just they fast forward through a lot of exposition that like spend a little more time on that the joke I always make is how the hell would you know when you set the Stargate up to pump X amount of volts through the thing? How do you hook up to it? Does it have a USB port on the side? Is it an AC adapter? Is it like 220 European? You know, voltage? Are they running 120, you know, US or like how do you even know to do that? Like they've got the thing hooked up, they've got a bunch of transformers on the side, and you're just I always think to myself, like, you have this complex, literally like this complex yeah. intergalactic portal. That's going to yep. shoot you through the stars. Keep in mind, the TV show covers all they of these really questions. Do. They right. do. But you, TV show, that doesn't count. No, that doesn't the movie. count. The movie. How the hell did well, they that figure was, that, that out? Was my, but that was my big at the same too. time, yeah. So we live now, we're, we're watching this movie as sci-fi fans in 2016. And we may have watched this movie in the 90s when we were children... And not really cared because it's cool. It's, you know, this portal to wherever, blah, 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 pyramids. This is great. But now we're watching it and we've got, you know, I mean, my last viewing is after I watched The Expanse and after I read The Martian and after I watched The Martian and I kind of have an appreciation for how the nuts and bolts of things work. Yeah. So going back, it's not really fair to the, it's not really fair to the movie. But going back and watching it and then them just kind of glossing over all this stuff. Like, I don't need them to explain the physics equations that they're using. But at the same time, it would have been kind of nice to, you know, have an ex explanation of what they're doing. May I remind you that we were that this was made in the butthole era of film. <laughs> and in the butthole don't era... Don't say that. The no, 90s is was. when film took off, man. It's when hey, went however crazy. Hey, 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 here's the thing. The 90s is when specs were at an all-time high, and that is the truth. But here's the problem. 
Along, along with specs being at an all-time high, we had producer control being at a higher point than it ever was since, like, back in the 30s, 40s era of the studio system. Studios wanted that control. Directors were not auteurs in their eyes. They worked Stanley Kubrick. Get the hell out. You don't know what you're doing. We know best. Well, that was only, the studio well, only Stanley Kubrick could be Stanley Kubrick, to be honest. What? Only Stanley Kubrick could be Stanley Kubrick. Right, but back in the 90s, you have all these spec writers coming up, and they think they're Stanley Kubrick. Uh, Roland Emmerich thought he was Stanley, Stanley Kubrick. Paul Anderson probably thought he was Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> he was wrong. He was close. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, at the end of the day, they all had visions, and they all had, had deep, deep ideas for their films, but that didn't matter, because mm-hmm. the studio knew best <clears throat> in the 90s. And while, yes, spec screenplay buying was at an all-time high, it also was heavily controlled by these studios. Yeah, we don't think this will test well. Oh, you know, market testing was huge in the 90s. It was huge. The internet was coming out. People could shoot surveys all over emails. They knew best. The studios knew best. So what happened was they would tell people, no, this doesn't test well. No, no one likes the science mumbo-jumbo. Just do action. No, you know, we don't like these scenes. We think they're too gory. Take them out. No, these scenes explain too much. We should jump right into the film. It got to the point so that people made a code. There's a guy, a book I read, it's called Save the Cat. And he said, if you want to write a spec screenplay, here's the code. Here is Here are the points you need to hit to make the studio happy because this is the kind of movie they want. And that's it. And so that's why we, that's why Colin... While the 90s was a great breeding ground for original and creative ideas, it was also the butthole era of cinema because studios would not let go of that control. Nowadays, yes, studios give way more control to directors, way more control to producers. They allow them to make the vision they want because they know that that's what makes fans happy now. There's a greater audience. We live in a golden age of television and film. There's a greater audience for that kind of stuff nowadays. Therefore, they're just like, you know what? You're doing The Expanse. You're passionate about it. We know that your fans are Hard passionate science. about it. You have a niche. Go fill that well, niche. Well, to that point then, so let's discuss that a little bit. Like, what other movies, if we can think up top of our heads, in 1994, like, what was coming out then? Well, let's find out. To the uh, internet. Batman I'm just trying Batman to think. Like, like, what was... Because you've got Stargate, which is this big... We've kind of already touched on, like, this mashup of sci-fi... Sand, uh, sand and sandals, kind of. Ninety-four was a decent year. We had Pulp Fiction, Tarantino, one of the few people that were allowed. To yeah, the Lion that. King. The Lion King, Forrest Gump, which actually sucks, but regardless. Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. But Dumb you and gotta Dumb. understand that these are Oscar winners. The Mask. These were these Interview were with a Vampire. And the Mask was not the, a good movie, nor was Interview with the a Vampire. The Flintstones. Dude, Interview with the Vampires. Interview with the, the Vampires is actually a great movie. Additionally awful, so is The Crow. Legends of the Fall. So we're going Ace down Ventura. a line here. <laughs> we're going down a line here where we see... Yes, Speed like, yes. with Keanu Reeves. Hell yes. Speed is a classic movie of didn't go the way Terrible. Time Cop. Um, we see going down the line, though. We've got people who have a lot of control. Disney created The Lion King. There was no outside influence there. There was no outside writer there. Shit. Disney commissioned The Lion King being made. Pulp Fiction, that was Tarantino. Dude's already been proven to be a box office smasher. So clear in presentation, Beverly Hills Cop 3. You're just going to keep shouting off shit. Did you say movies? clear in presentation? 
Claire no, I mean, I'm just curious because I, I agree. I agree with your point. Yeah. That, that's just why I kind of wanted to point out some other movies that were made during that era because... Clerks. Clerks came out in 1994. An answer to the studio system. Fuck you, studio system, said Kevin Smith. I'll make Clerks. <laughs> Say what you will about it. He still did it. And that's what matters. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. Like I said, that's why I... I I think I, I talked about this with Colin a little bit. We always, whenever we watch a movie from the 90s, one of the, the litmus tests for the film is, does it date itself or does it feel like a movie that is dated in some way? And whereas, you know, like Event Horizon, although we love it and I'm the first person to defend it, yeah, it does in a lot of ways. I don't feel that necessarily about Stargate. It, it to me... There's there's elements of it that date it, but right. the the movie as a whole could have come out, you know, three years ago. It could have come out twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Generally, the movie. Generally, yeah. yeah, not completely, but I mean, you know, it, well, it'll be out in two years. So yeah, the yeah, very exactly. same movie. Yeah, um, they're yeah, they're so, making it. You know, I agree with you. I think there were you know the Stargate looked awful. Um, it was awful to look at. But in the show, it looks a lot better. No, it doesn't. Oh, I, I always thought it was. So I thought it was interesting. It's it hurts my eyes. This, and I, uh, in my opinion, this is a perfect segue, believe it or not, into my rant, my tangent. Good. Be sure to leave points. That it, wasn't your tangent. I thought I. I <laughs> I'm trying to give Ben a gap to disagree with me. All right. Um, what's, wait, am I disagreeing with your tangent right off the bat? Ben's not no, even like so. giving you the. That gap, though. He's no, I, I don't think it. I don't think it's going to be overall very disagreeable. So, okay. a big takeaway from, and I've noticed that I say a takeaway a lot, but I take a lot of takeaways. If you don't, from, take, if you don't take things away from a movie, uh, you shouldn't have watched it. What right, are you doing? Exactly. One of the things I really wanted to bring up to the group to discuss is that this film, to me, as a symptom, I guess, of when it was released what technology they had, what they did, what they did with what they could spend. So this was a movie that was made in 1994 by Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich has since made quite a few movies. He's made more movies in the 90s. He's made more movies in the 2000s. Roland Emmerich is one of those directors where when his, I guess, creative impulses were tempered by his limitations, I think made better films. I think Stargate is a better film than 2012 or Independence Day Resurgence yeah. because Roland Emmerich didn't have the money or the, the I guess, uh, even ability to meet his vision with the special effects. So basically this whole rant centers around effects and special effects and what they could do with them. So although Stargate is an effects-driven movie, a lot of the effects actually still hold up. And... What's kind of cool is a lot of it was done with practical effects. Yeah, the, that puppet yak was boss. You, yeah, you got the puppet <laughs> yak, which is amazing. You've got, which I didn't even realize this until after my last viewing, which was, you know, a couple days ago. The actual effect for the Stargate was practical. That was them doing some weird effect with water. Like, that wasn't cool. primitive CGI. That was actually, yeah. they yeah, they made that, which That's is kind of cool. cool. But, you know, same thing. Like, obviously, there's some use of some primitive CGI. They have to, you know, with the, uh, uh, you know, the um, Anubis, 
the helmets coming down and everything yeah. else like that. That that's some primitive CGI that they're using and everything else, but it still holds up to an extent. But they did a lot of really cool things with like miniatures and they did, you know, stuff with models and and a lot of inventive things because the technology just wasn't there. Right. So they did all this cool stuff with for I guess what would be considered like a shoestring budget, but almost you know 25 years later it still holds up and i can still watch it and say well that's not that bad like it's it's cool you know whereas some of the stuff like we commented in event horizon you just like look at and you kind of cringe or like you watch like my favorite is like power rangers the movie (laughs) if anyone goes back and like watches like the cgi and power rangers you just like oh my god you know but have a nice trip see next fall yeah (laughs) but like roland emmerich in 94 making a film where he knew that maybe he had all these grand designs, maybe he had all these, you know, ideas of where he wanted to take the franchise or things he wanted to do or, you know, visually things he wanted to accomplish. He couldn't do it because the technology wasn't there yet. He didn't have the money. He didn't have the name recognition. You know, he was the studio's puppet, if you will. Yeah. In 2016, he's got all those things. And that's why I could not be more afraid for Stargate... (laughs) 2018 or whatever it is because I feel like that's that's part of what made the film so special was that they they had a thousand people or mannequins on set to make it look like you had this massive scene they had you know a miniature of a giant pyramid that they created in order to but the way they filmed it and the way they were able to shoot it and the way they were able to utilize that made it look like it was real Mm-hmm. And the, it was a lot of creative filmmaking that went into doing that. Whereas nowadays, you could create literally everything from the minute they go into the Stargate until they go back. You you could digitally create that on a computer if you wanted to. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to, but you could. And I feel like Roland Emmerich in 2016 would do it. <laughs> yeah. I have not seen well, Independence 16. Day Resurgence. But unlike Ben Young, I loved Independence Day. As you were dumb. another one of the, I was dumb as another one of those butthole of cinema golden era films. I loved Independence Day. I still do. But same thing. A lot of it was produced by those same means. They didn't have the technology quite there. Whereas now I almost view the technology as kind of a bane to that type of storytelling. How readily yeah. available yes. CGI is. Yeah. But Would, there, you still see, it's rare to see directors who prefer to use uh, practical effects, but that just makes those movies so much more special. I mean, when they do I think it. there's a push for it sometimes. Like Max. Nowadays. Our God Abrams. With, uh, yeah, J.J. Yeah. Abrams definitely <laughs> pushes for keeping practical effects involved <clears> in <throat> things, like, especially like Star Wars. But hopefully, with this new, because they are going to remake Stargate. And then continue on with it. Hopefully, Emmerich kind of remembers what he did, and doesn't actually just spend all the money on CGI and it looks terrible. That would probably ruin the series for me. Oh man! Yeah, well, th- I'm, I'm that's, pretty nervous about that too, honestly. Th- that's the number <laughs> one complaint that I've heard, uh, amongst other complaints. But I was one of those people that was really excited about the second Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, you know, not, I was disappointed, but I hadn't completely, you know, unexpected, like, the negative reviews that it got. But 
when most of the negative reviews cite just the overuse of CGI and just taking it to that next level where it is just literally overkill. Mm-hmm. It's just burning your retinas yeah. because there's too much going on. And then you look at, at like a, a film like Stargate where, yeah, there there's still action scenes. They've still got, you know, they still have that type of effects-driven scene going on. But like what might have been in 94... And, and granted, too, I don't know if in 94 that was, like, over the top or that was, like, oh, wow, what are they what are they doing here? What might have been seen as that in 1994, now, today, like, we look at it and it's, it's tame. But also, at the same time, it makes the film better. It's more watchable because yeah. it's not driven by, you know, oh, how many, you know, if it was made today, there would have been a hundred of those... You know of Ra's uh, uh, fighter ships or whatever yeah. flying, shooting at the the peasants running around instead of two of them or three of them or whatever right. it was. It was just so small scale, but you believed it. Yeah, he had such a small entourage, but the power they had over their slaves essentially yeah. was still very like understood. You picked that up easily, even though the fact that there were only like a dozen of Ra's followers. Yeah, I, I really liked how how they they actually worked that out with, you know, you had Ra and then you had his henchmen of Anubis and yeah. Horus. But Horus was not the god. There was multiple Horus guards, if you notice. They yeah. all had, you know, the bird beak oh. and everything. But there was only one Anubis, and I thought that was fantastic the way they worked that out. But... It was just a small group of people that were able to dominate this massive population on this world. I mean, I'd like to see what they do with the reboot when they finally do it, but hopefully it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't suck. Hopefully it's not terrible. It's a thing. I just don't want them to go overboard now that they can, mm-hmm. because that's right. the thing that that you're, you. I almost feel scared of. That 94 Roland Emmerich, like you said, he didn't have access to this technology that could make maybe what his original machinations for this world were, so he had to do more with less, and the movie was better for it. Whereas, if he was able to make the original film that he wanted to make in 1994, who knows, maybe it would have been Independence Day Resurgence. You know what, though? I think that Independence Day, for him, is probably just like a paycheck, almost. Like... Stargate has become, since he had control of it and it moved on, became a huge franchise. And I think he's going to respect that. That's that's what I was going to say, actually. And now it's... In, well, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I, I just... That was, like, exactly what my thought on it is, is that there's a legacy behind Stargate. Now. Whether it's his or not, <clears throat> there's a legacy. And yeah. now that it's under his control again, he's even said he's going to respect the fact that there's this huge other... You know, mythos. This other TV, they, multiple TV shows. That they have, never even named the planet in this movie, yeah. right? But they did in the TV show. <laughs> exactly. They talk yeah. about the race that like the that Ra was. They talk yeah. about like there's so much that gets added to it, and that's what I love about the show is that you're building this universe around this technology. And he even said that there's going to be nods to the TV show. He's going to take things from all of that and add it to his trilogy that he's going to come out with. Yeah. And honestly, I, I respect that. That's, that's so, a smart move. W- what do you guys think then? Because 
I don't know if we mentioned it previously in this podcast, but the original plan was to make a trilogy of films mm-hmm. after the you know the original ninety four yeah. film with the same cast, yeah. one linear story. It never panned out. Right. How do you guys think that would have? I mean, I know it's kind of hypothetical, but how do you think that would have panned out if they would have been able to go through with well, it? We're about to find out. <laughs> no, that's the they're, getting, they're, allowed to, they're they're restarting the whole series. At the, yeah, but, but at I the mean, same like, time, because of the whole TV shows that came out, a lot of things have changed with how they're going to approach it. You're I asking, think. would Stargate have been influential, more influential than it is now? Yeah, like if they had, if they got the green light with you know film one. 96, they make Stargate 2. 98, 99, they make Stargate 3 or something Stargate like that. Stargate would have been a cult falling just like it is now. It wouldn't have had... It would have been less... It, I'm sorry, actually, Stargate now actually is a cultural influence, influencer. Is that right? Influence. Influencer? Influence. Cultural influence. Thank you. <laughs> Stargate is a cultural influence now because of the show, because of the long-lasting impact it's had... Uh, I think MGM made the right choice as far as that goes. It sucks that Roland Emmerich didn't get to see his his vision, vision fulfilled at the time. He's able to come back now, so good for him. But I think MGM made the good choice because I think, you know, it, to allow that trilogy to continue through the 90s wouldn't have done anything but just label it as I, pulse. I agree. Stargate was actually pretty panned when it came out in 94. Like, I don't think that they would have even been able to make a sequel off of that movie. Uh, uh, box office smash. Made $200 million at the box office in the 90s. In the world, not the U.S. They actually judge it pretty harshly in the U.S. If it, I'm going to double check that if you don't mind. Cause no, that's fine. That. But I don't think it made <clears> enough <throat> money for them to continue. I think it thrived in the, in the uh, platform that they, that they moved to. It did well, and it, it allowed for more accessible viewing, yeah. and in the way they were able to expand the universe. I mean that that gate can take you anywhere in the universe, yeah. and a movie just wouldn't have covered it. And I think that if they did the trilogy and then tried to build off it with the move with the show, it wouldn't have worked quite as well. Nope. But the way that they did the first movie and then immediately like, oh well, we're gonna have a team now <clears throat> that just travels across the universe. Checking all the gates, making sure that everything is safe, and exploring—that was—I think—that was perfect. I completely agree with that. I feel like if it had been a movie, if they had continued with movies, it would have been—you know—here's one big event, here's one big event, here's a third big event, done. Whereas the universe that was created and can be drawn upon for the new movie set is so much more expansive that it will open up this world and make it way better than it ever could have been. If it was just a three-shot setup. I agree. No, I've watched all of it, and a lot of it is cringeworthy, to be honest. But I think it, just like Star Trek, it thrives better on the small screen than it does on the big screen. You can, you can... You could build characters. You could tell so many more stories because of it. In which the Stargate, I think, kind of allows for. With the movies, I don't think it would have been quite as climactic. Yeah, first of all, you were right, Colin. It only made seventy-one million dollars in the U.S. So only. No, that, that, no that, that's well fair. on a fifty-five million dollar budget. Yeah, that's, that's not a good. Problem. That's that's not, not green lighting Stargate Two. Definitely, yeah. I just I just love hearing 
It only made seventy-one million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert went so far as to say the movie Ed Wood about the worst director of all time was made to prepare us for Stargate. <laughs> See, that's that, that's <laughs> harsh. Also, that, that's you said harsh. Roger Ebert, but let's keep going. Um, we're you know, <laughs> we, we, we're running out of time, and I know we're gonna go around and do our good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. But one thing we didn't touch upon totally was something that I have to commend Emmerich and the studio, MGM, allowing him to do this. I have to commend them for, and then I have to voice my fear as a result of the changing times. First of all, not a single one of these, you know, other planet humans were whitewashed. They were all of some sort of Middle Eastern descent. Now, some of them were Israeli, they were kind of pushing it. But I mean, even like the Jews, yeah. didn't, weren't Jews supposed to have built the pyramids too? Isn't that like a Bible thing? Well, I don't know. Well, um, the Jewish culture has changed a lot since yeah, like the pyramids. It's not the same so thing. <laughs> the Caucasian Jew that we know in like the U.S. is right. a different beast. I don't know. Bibles, pyramids, whatever. Beast. But the point is, the point is, none of them were white. At least, at least if they were, they certainly brown faced them enough for me to not notice. Which was like. Not that a single bad. one of those mannequins was white. <laughs> <laughs> the point is... Well, let's talk about that the beast is, of burden Brad with Pitt the Brad Pitt didn't play the kid that was trying to take the gun. No, right? but like, it was it's notable. Up, he was, you know, he yeah, was of definitely. Middle Eastern certainly. area descent. Don't forget that caveman. No, certainly. They tried because... Now, with that being said, I'm terrified. I'm terrified with the reboot coming out because studios aren't about that life anymore. Mm-hmm. If that was ever okay at a certain point in time... Studios are like, we don't fucking care if a culture is getting stomped on in the process of making our movies yeah, as long yeah. as it saves us money. Mm-hmm. That's that's where that's where everyone's at at this point. So Christian Bale get, can pass as Egyptian, right? That's where we get assholes. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, Mark. Like Ridley Scott, you know what? assholes. You know what? Like Ridley Scott. I hope they recast O'Neill and Jackson, and they actually have James Spader and Kurt Russell play. The uh, Egyptian natives. <laughs> you know, the only way I would accept that, the only way I'd accept that if James Spader played Ra and Kurt Russell was Anubis. It's the only way I'd accept it. But I just want them to work Kowalski back in there. <laughs> yes. Uh, Kowalski was my guy. The number one character. But I, in I think that we can we can see another backlash come from this if they don't do it right. Yeah. yeah. I think people will be upset. And I think it'll hurt Stargate in the long run um, if they don't, you know, keep to the same rules yeah. they had making the original. And I, I only say this because nowadays it seems no one cares. Back in the day, people did care. You know, people cared about being authentic when making their movies. Well, I was impressed. I mean, I was impressed by that. And that was a, another part of kind of appreciating, like I said, I think at the beginning of the podcast and appreciating the fact that they went to the lengths they did with their costume design, their set direction, the cinematography, the fact that they they took the time to place, as we've said now a couple times, either a thousand people or a thousand mannequins to make it look like there are actually that many physical entities in that scene as opposed to just CGIing them in or whatever they would have to do. But the fact that they went one step further and actually found people that, you know, were of that descent. They were of that culture that they were trying to represent in this fictional thing. 
that was kind of impressive. And yeah. yeah, you're right. You know, when I went and saw, as big of a Ridley Scott fan as I am, and I know you aren't, Ben, when I went to go see Exodus, Gods and Kings, that took me out of the film. I don't and I hated I that movie. That I hated that movie, but I, I didn't, it just, it, think, it took I, me out of it. I haven't seen Gladiator, and I think that's the only movie that he's made that's good, from what I understand. Like, like, what's, like, yeah, Alien, Alien and Blade Runner suck. Uh, <laughs> Alien, alright, I haven't seen Blade Runner, I'll admit that. Oh, you oh, haven't oh, seen Blade Runner, oh, edit that out. Because we lose all credibility. If... <laughs> I'm the antagonist, it's okay. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I, Alien, compared to Aliens, sucks. And Terminator, compared to Terminator Excuse 2, sucks. Me. Okay. So, I'm saying it right all here. Right. For everyone to Turn the recorder off. I'm going to go punch Ben. Don't cut that out. <laughs> no, no. James Cameron stomped all over Ridley Scott, and he totally deserved it. It's a let different me, type you, of movie. Let me tell you about how Ridley Scott writes characters. Ridley Scott imagines his mother, who's probably the worst person on the planet that he knows. I assume this because every one of his characters suck. So Ridley Scott goes, and he goes, I want to write this character after my mother. And he begins writing her, and... Every piece of dialogue that comes out of this character's mouth is just awful. You don't want to hear a word this character has to say. But he continues writing it. And then the characters continue to make bad decisions, but he still keeps writing. And then you find out that by the end of your screenplay, there's not a single character you like in his film. And then Ridley Scott goes, <laughs> ah, well, we'll figure it out. You know, I Watch have Blade Runner, Ben. You know, I have to admit, though, Numi Rapace does have like a sour taste in my mouth. Because of Prometheus. Prometheus but. is the worst fucking piece of shit sci-fi I've ever seen. Wow. Okay, okay, we're getting off topic. You can bleep it all out. So okay. going back to Stargate. <laughs> okay, guys, we, we, we've mentioned technology a bunch of times, and I had read this, and it kind of made me sad and excited. Stargate apparently was the first movie to have a dedicated website. <laughs> really? Sweet. And a video game. Too, I think. Damn. It had a really video game. Great, that actually, was... Too. It says that was a step forward for them. That's, a big that's deal. Fantastic. The internet was worth having. I wonder if it still exists. All right. Probably not. So now it's time to ask the big question, but we'll do it in true Kowalski fashion. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stare with a really dumb look on our face for like twenty seconds. What the hell did you think about the sci-fi in this movie? <laughs> Where am I? Where's my pants? <laughs> what the hell's going on? Wait, what do you mean you can't get us home? <laughs> Which, to beat, to beat a dead horse to death again, if you watch this film, and this is something I did not pick up until the most recent viewing, basically everything the character of Kowalski says is a question. Yes. And in yes. less than ten words. Which, which, also, which also attached to every time they're in that, like, that ancient like gate room on the planet, every time there's like a fight, there's always... Oh, yes. However. Okay, they loaded their guns more time than they fired them. Yes, they loaded they their did. guns more times than there were actual soldiers in the thing. Like, <laughs> there was, yeah, there yeah. was like, like 20 cocking noises and there was like five soldiers. So that was great. But we had to point oh, that out. Man. So, Matt, sci-fi, what do you think? I think this is good sci-fi. I think the science is a little shaky. They rushed through, like, experimenting on the gate. It was very, like, uh, one robot, didn't get much info, sent humans. That bothered me, but I think it was good sci-fi altogether. Okay. Good sci-fi. I think it's good sci-fi. For me, the film was 
it, it's it took me someplace when I watched it for those two hours. There was some wonkiness, there was some silliness, there was some cheese, but like I would you know say for Event Horizon or or a lot of other films that were released in the '90s, a great butthole era of cinema. <laughs> Best. Part. I would say it's good sci-fi. <clears throat> Fan, I, I love it. It's Mark. great sci-fi. Uh, even though there were like uh, like Jason said, there's a there's a fair amount of that pseudo pseudoscience, that wonderful '90s pseudoscience, <laughs> the programming seventh symbol. Like <laughs> ugh, I, I love that shit. It's my favorite thing about '90s movies. Yes. We're zooming uh, in, enhancing. Yes, <laughs> he does. Clean it up. He does it with enhance. I love it. Oh, okay. That good sci-fi though. Good sci-fi. Um, I will say that it is good sci-fi. Just, just the sheer concept of this this ring that sends you to another world. That's fantastic. There's so many things you could do with it, and they did with it with the TV show. But overall, this movie, it was good sci-fi. I start to finish. I know a lot of people have problems with the first like quarter of the movie, but mm-hmm. start to finish, I love this movie. Will never change. Yeah, ready for this? Ben's gonna add another tier. He's like Ben, magnanimous ben. Back, sci-fi. Back when thing. I was uh, back when I was a kid. Oh no. I went to Six Flags Great America, and there's a ride there, and it was a Stargate ride. Uh, it was one of those where you walk into the room, and you sit in the chair, and the chair flips up and it tilts around. On a gimbal, yeah. And it's 3D, 3D, 4D. Wind's blowing at you, right? And you got this like crazy story going through, and and at some point. You, you go through the Stargate and you blast through it. And it was the most exhilarating moment of my fucking life, guys. Star I, I was never a huge Stargate, Stargate fan growing up, but as a sci-fi fan, this was a decent film and fantastic sci-fi. It really is. It's fantastic sci-fi. So I'm going to say it right there. Yep. I think that's the first positive sci-fi thing I've ever said on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Hopefully, there's many more to come from. We'll that. see. Ted hopefully, Lane's fantastic sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, in a couple uh, a couple years, when you know Stargate reboot comes out, we have the same feelings, I guess, yeah. as we you did know what? I can't, Stargate '94. I actually can't wait. Hopefully, our podcast is still going at that point. I would love to revisit this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. So I plan on going sci-fi. on a Kurt Russell style suicide mission before 2018. So, well, obviously, you're coming back because James Spader is going to assure it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, are you sure? I was uh, watching Stargate. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching Stargate as a sequel to Escape from New York. <laughs> so I don't Snake, know about you guys. Snake Plissken going through. It was a sequel His to his eye patch goes away. He's good. To soldier. <laughs> it was a prequel to Soldier. <laughs> a a You've sequel been to which, by the Big way, in Little Tokyo. If everyone agrees, I would love to within the next you know couple episodes, maybe four or so. I would love to do the movie Soldier. Sure. It's been down? so long. I would be. I honestly don't remember anything. Literally the only thing about the well, movie I remember. Well, the funny thing is it's directed by Paul uh, W.S. It's probably... Oh, William yeah. Shakespeare Anderson, it's, we're coming back for you, bitch! It's the we'll second, see you soon! The second greatest movie Paul W.S. Anderson ever directed. Second to uh, <laughs> The Event Horizon, which if you haven't heard that episode, you should. Let's, let's, can we be honest? Like, Paul Anderson did Resident <laughs> Evil, and that was decent. That's all I have to say. 
Bye, guys. Bye. Uh. <laughs>